We are working on our series about our identity in Christ, and this morning we're going to look at I Am God's Masterpiece, which is a little bit disorienting for most of us. We're not used to thinking of ourselves as a masterpiece. We're used to thinking of ourselves as kind of a yeah, maybe acceptable, possibly workable work in progress that might be okay someday if you squint and don't stand too close. But no. We are God's masterpiece. Look at your hands. Just look at your hands. I'm going to read to you from the word, and you look at your hands while I'm reading. This is from Psalm 139, very familiar to us. Lord, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days you've ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. That's you he's talking about. Not theoretical. Your actual self. And Paul says that we are God's masterpiece. I love the New Living Translation of Ephesians 2, verse 10. Paul says we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What is a masterpiece? Well, if you are an apprentice, you don't know much about what you're doing, but you're learning. And if you are a journeyman, you're able to learn and earn a living at it. You're pretty good. You can do passable work. But if you're a master, you do masterpiece-level work. Your carpentry joins, you can't even see them. They're so perfect. Your concrete doesn't crack. Your roofs don't leak. You know, when you do brain surgery, the patient recovers and they're still themselves. We are God's masterpiece. A masterpiece is a creation that shows the complete mastery of the creator. It inspires awe in those who see it. It reveals the heart of the master to those who see it. When you see a masterpiece, you understand what the person who made it cares about. It has purpose. It brings beauty and light. I've been teasing Jamie this morning because I've got a million slides. I'm going, we should pray for Jamie. Let's pray for Dennis and and Charlie too because I am not at all aware of what's going on here. We're waiting for a thumbs up. He'll tell us when we're good. Are we ready? Okay, all right. So the purpose of a masterpiece is to bring beauty and light and the power of God's goodness into the world for the world to see and use and benefit from. God is the master of creating. He knows what he's doing and he obviously loves doing it. Do you get that when you look around you that that God gets a kick out of what he created? 
God has more mastery on more levels than we can even notice, let alone comprehend. We're just beginning to kind of get a handle on some of what is going on that we haven't noticed before. You know, we've known for a long time that the universe is big, right? And lately, we've created new telescopes, and we can look at this big universe that we've seen, and we see a piece that big now, and we're finding more universes in that piece. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and all of it's perfect. All of it. And then you turn around and you face the other way. The microcosmos is big, too. When you start exploring how cells work and, and you get down in there and try to figure out, okay, how does your mitochondria make energy and how does your DNA do what DNA does? And you can't even see any of it. I mean, no matter how good your microscope is, this stuff is way down beyond what we can see except for maybe some kind of vague lumpy things and stuff. And it's fun for humans to try to figure out what's going on, and that's creativity too. When the scientists get together and they say, okay, here's what I think is going on, and I, I found a clip of, um, it, it's, it's what a scientist, I say a scientist, obviously a bunch of them, are trying to describe how your cell takes apart DNA and then makes new DNA to make proteins with, and then rezips the old DNA and packs it back up in its little suitcase. And, and it's really complicated, and there's lots of different proteins and stuff going on all over the place, and you can't see any of it. And they're tried to come up with a computer animation to describe what's going on. And it's really, really cool. We figured out how to see it, and then we made a video to show it. And that's us being creative, because God made us to be creators. And it's a ton of fun. God loves that we love gaining mastery and using it to make things better, to show light and goodness. There's another uh, form, you know, obviously I'm just a regular artist type artist. Um, there's a mastery, for instance, that just for fun, of some kinetic art, and this is a mastery of precision and orchestration and change. This is just a, a wind sculpture. And we got it up, there it is, yeah. Isn't that cool? Just for fun, just because it's beautiful. Sit there and watch that all afternoon if you wanted to. <laughs> you know, and then there's the other, another kind of mastery. Um, a mastery in this case, uh, you remember the story of Sully Sullenberger landing that 747 on the Hudson River? Think about the mastery of teamwork that that took. You know, not just Sully, but he and his co-pilot and the people on the ground trying to help him figure out, are you going to go to this airport or that airport? Are we going to try to turn you around and get you back here? It, you know, and all that stuff that had to happen in order for them to land safely, that was a mastery of teamwork and expertise and training and choices and skills. Amazing. And you look at that and you think, wow. That was really cool. God loves it that we love being masters and we love being masterpieces. What about Cirque du Soleil acrobats? 
I've got a real short little clip here of a couple of acrobats practicing together. Think about the mastery of physical training and complete trust that's going on here. That's what a human body can do and a human mind can do. We enjoy being masterpieces and God loves watching us enjoy it. We got more stuff we can master and more ways we can express it to bring God's beauty and grace and amazement and awe and gratitude into the world. So Paul says you are a new creation. What is the purpose of being a masterpiece? Why does God bother making masterpieces? Let's look at Philippians 2, verse 15. Paul says, the reason that God bothers to make you a masterpiece is so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That's the purpose of the masterpiece, is to shine out into the world so that people who see it go, wow, and they feel uplifted and encouraged and inspired. Here's what Jesus says about it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they set it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's the purpose that God has for you, for which you are designed. God is using everything in your life, everything in your life. God is using everything in your life to shape you to accomplish the work that you were designed to do, which is to be like Jesus and bring light and salt and goodness into the world. That includes your wounds, your victories, your mistakes and failures, your, your wonderful, amazing things that you've done, the places where you were totally puzzled and baffled and turning around in circles going, ah, I don't know what's going on here. That's all included. Your recoveries are also important. So think for just a second about what your life is saying to those around you about God. If you're unloving, they cannot see him in you. If you're preachy and mean, they're repelled from God. If you are loving and patient, even when you lose your temper, if you speak the truth and the best approach to love you can find, they can see him. They can hear him. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago for us to do. Isn't it wonderful to know that God planned good work for you to do? Meaningful, important, useful, beautiful work for you. You know, not just the job that you do to get some money so you can have a house so you can go home and get some sleep so you can go back to work and earn some money. Not that. So let's look for a minute about the, the, just the state of being that being a masterpiece is. Part of being a masterpiece is that we live in the midst of a world full of other masterpieces. I mean, look around the room. You're surrounded by masterpieces. 
And in a weird way, we are also creating each other. Here's what C.S. Lewis has to say about that, and you're probably familiar with this quote, but it's a good one, so we're going to do it again. He says, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a corruption and a horror such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with each other, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations and cultures and arts and civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. We create each other in ways that we tend to not think about. Being a masterpiece is a huge dare from God. In some ways, we would much rather live small because it takes a lot of courage to live as big as God wants us to live. There's a quote that's often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but he didn't actually come up with it. He just quoted it because he really admired it. The person who wrote this is named Marianne Wilson, and here's what she says. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant and gorgeous and talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children are meant to shine. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is, with, is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. We are liberated from our own fear and our presence automatically liberates those around us. Isn't that a great quote? Michelangelo had a similar thought, and here's what he said about it. He says, the greatest danger is not that we will aim too high and miss. It is that we'll aim too low and hit. So what about the process of being created? God uses all things to shape us to be like Jesus. Uh, one time, Michelangelo was asked how he created his famous statue of David, which is just an eye popper. And he said, well, I created a vision of David in my mind, and then I just carve away everything that wasn't David. And that's similar to what God does. He has a vision of who he's creating in terms of each of us, and then he knocks everything off of us that isn't right, isn't us isn't his spirit and his son living in us. It sounds wonderful, 
can't wait to be gorgeous. You know, but the process of being made can be very painful and confusing and bewildering when we don't realize that that's what's going on. Um, our, our friend Jesse Spencer was going through a really, 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 really hard time some years back, and he shared a poem with me that he wrote, and I got his permission to share it with you. It's kind of long, but it's gripping, and I think you'll find it interesting. In my darkest hour, beaten and bleeding, I fall to the ground. I cry out for help, but none is to be found. My broken heart barely beating, the only sound around. And the hammer falls. Alone and hopeless, waiting for death, praying the next one will be my last breath. Trying to find strength, but I haven't any left, and the hammer falls. I feel a hand wrap around me, gripping me tight. At last I can rest and have a moment's respite. But suddenly I scream and I'm writhing in pain as I'm thrown in the fire and fighting the flames. In agony, I burn in this fiery lake, searching for a way out, but there's no escape. Then out of the fire, I'm flown to the floor, begging for mercy. I can't take any more. I scream out to God, but he hears not my calls. My prayers unanswered echo off the walls. Enough, I surrender, and the hammer still falls. My body beaten and broken, such pain I've not known, as again and again the hammer falls and pounds my bones. I cannot endure any longer this suffering and pain. Yet when the hammer stops falling, I'm thrown back in the flames. My spirit is defeated as this process is repeated. My body burned by the fire, with the hammer is beaten, and when I thought I surely must die, the hammer dropped. I was plunged into water to cool and then dried. The same hands that held the hammer now lifted me up, this time gently with tenderness and love. I was sharpened and polished, all blemishes now healed, and the master's hands a new creation revealed. What once was weak and broken and begging to yield is now a magnificent sword of unbreakable steel. With razor edge and shining blade, with perfect balance in the Lord's hands, this sword was laid. I was now a masterpiece that the Lord had made. Through fire and bloodshed and suffering and pain, being broken and beaten is how God's greatest soldiers are made. So when your pain is too much and the darkness falls, when your prayers are unanswered and he doesn't answer your call, remember the Lord is working something good for us all and to forge a sword the hammer must fall. That kept your attention, didn't it? You know, and in addition to the beating and the flame, we are also shaped by our joys, our amazements. We are shaped by things as simple as play and work and adventure, love in all its forms, all its forms, all of its forms. Let's return to what is God's purpose in creating us. And we're going back to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that is to say, awe and respect. For it is God who is working inside you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The joy of fulfilling God's good purpose. God is not done. 
we are ongoing. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And this is New Living again. Paul says, I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We are not done. I want to look at another one of Michelangelo's famous statues. This is the Pieta, which shows Mary tenderly holding the dead body of Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful statue. But we can be defaced. We go through life, we can be damaged by other people. This beautiful statue, um, one time a man who had schizophrenia, um, not his fault, but he had it and thought he was Jesus Christ and he looked at the beautiful Pieta and said, that doesn't look anything like my mother. So he took a hammer to it. He broke her arm, broke her nose off, really tore it up bad. Mentally ill man took a hammer to this beautiful statue and broke it. And experts came around they were able to repair the statue. Other people can help you repair the damage that's been done to you. The statue still has some discoloration in the veil here where the stone was actually stained by the hammer and they didn't try to fix that, but they fixed her nose, they got her arm back on, they put her fingers back. Other people can help you be repaired. We can be repaired by God God himself repairs us. There's an art, card, art called Kintsuji. It's a Japanese art. It's an art of putting broken pottery pieces back together, and the mortar that they use to put the pieces together has gold in it. And this is built on the idea that in embracing our flaws and imperfections and the places where we have broken and been repaired, you can create an even stronger and more beautiful piece of art because every break is unique and instead of repairing an item like new, this technique actually highlights the scars as part of the design. So think about this as a metaphor for the way we heal ourselves and become healed by God. Sometimes the process of repairing our breaks and our wounds and our scars actually leaves us more unique more beautiful, more resilient. When God repairs us, he does not undo what broke us. He doesn't change history. But he adds himself into the wounds, making them beautiful places that show his glory. We are a mystery. Being a new creation, being a masterpiece of God is a mystery because we don't know what he's doing. We have to follow his shaping and trust his mastery and his goodness. It's like watching a master chef baking a beautiful princess cake for a little girl's party. You don't want to elbow the chef out of the way and try to take over because when we try to take our own creation into our own hands, we screw it up. <laughs> right? We're going to trust God's mastery and his goodness. As believers, we have been created by God, and we are being created by God, and we will be completed creations in good time 
we are to pursue sanctification in this life in the hope of the glory that will be revealed in us because we are complete and we are ongoing. We are finished and we're still growing. We're changing. Change is part of the masterpiece and the beauty. I want to tell you about a gift, the story of a gift. And I want to share this with you. Uh, one time I was in prayer and I began to feel a little weight in the palm of my hand. And I just ask you to let God put that weight in the palm of your hand, a little warm, round weight in the palm of your hand. And it was beautiful. And Jesus was there with me, and I asked him, Lord, what is this? He said, it's my gift to you. And I looked at it, and it was an egg. And I said, what will hatch from this? And he smiled and said, you. I want to let you ask him to give you that same gift, because he did long ago. This is his gift to us. He's creating us. And we will hatch in his good time. Lord God, thank you so much for creating us with your complete and amazing mastery. Thank you for giving us the capacity to appreciate the beauty and the glory and the goodness of what you create. Thank you for making it possible for us to participate in this creation, to lean into what we are becoming, to help each other become. May your name be praised. Amen.